It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's good to see all of you here. Uh, I don't know how many of you were able to make last Sunday. Um, We had a a guest speaker in, Brady Brewer, and he just, he talked about just the work that God had called him to. He talked about evangelism. And uh, I guess this past Wednesday night, Brother Randy talked about evangelism and the gospel. Um, I want to talk about a part of that that we'll get into here in a moment. But I think I'd just like to pray right now. If you would, would you bow your heads with me? Father, God, this morning, Lord, as we have gathered in the name of Christ, we pray, Lord, that, um, God, you'd speak to us. We're at a time of the year when the 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 world itself uses a time that for the most part we we view as a time that we would like to try to celebrate the birth of Christ and and yet it is so caught up with such busyness and greed and stress financial all of these things lord that don't matter nothing and we just lose sight. Um, it's amazing, Father, how we can one day celebrate supposedly Thanksgiving and the next day have fist fights over toys. God help us. We pray, Lord, today. I just pray, God, that we we need your grace, need the presence of your Holy Spirit, Father. I, I need your grace. And I pray that Father, you would get glory for yourself this morning. I pray that your word would be proclaimed and that Christ would be magnified. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about witnessing. I know, man, it's like overkill. Um, But I want to talk to you about a part. I I don't know if you caught this or not, but for, for everybody that was here last Sunday... And I'm not saying that if you weren't here, I'm not trying to beat up on you, but you just weren't here. But, but when Brady talked to us about what God had called him to, in his uh, message to us last Sunday, you may not have caught this, but in his message, he was telling you about his testimony of how God worked in his life and saved him and gave him a calling and so forth. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, I mean this morning. Just not too long before we merged together, um, our little group over in Stratford, our church over there, we had just gone through a time that on our Wednesday nights what we had done was we asked each person in our church to write out their testimony. And on Wednesday nights that each one individually, I mean not at, you know, just one at a time, but would give their testimony. Have you ever been to those those services where, you know, it's like somebody's going to give their testimony and stuff? Well, a lot of those things are not really what they probably should be, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 26. And we're going to look at something because I want you to understand something. Your testimony is yours personally. And it is a powerful tool in evangelizing. It's a powerful tool in ministering to other people, unbelievers and believers alike. And I want to show you how. Before I get started, I want to, I want to tell you something I heard one time. I used to be in this, uh, one of those pyramid nutrition companies. Yes. And it was the best one. I don't know if you all ever heard of Advocare. Oh, it's so good. They changed the recipe, though. But it was so good. But, but let me tell you what happened. I went to a meeting one time. My brother had lost like 40 pounds, okay? He was a little shorter than me. He was looking pretty good. I, I called him. I said, I don't know what you're on, but you send me whatever it is. He said, you don't even tell me the name of this stuff. He said, just some nutrition, 
I said, I'm going to take it just like you did. You give me the exact way you did it. I did it, man. Three and a half months, I'm like 40 pounds lighter, man. It was an awesome time in my life. But I didn't know this was a company. All I knew is there was this pills I was taking in the morning and at lunch. And, man, I mean, I was feeling great and not looking too far off from that. But this friend of mine called me one night, and he, and he said, Hey, have you heard about this stuff? And I said, hey, matter of fact, I, I take that. And he's like, Oh, really? You're already, you're already doing it? You know? I said, Yeah. He said, Well, are you, are you, you know, signed up? And I was like, What are you talking about? Uh, and then I found out it was the, the scheme thing, you know. But I go to this meeting, and this is what I, I did. I went, and, and this guy's up giving this presentation, okay? And I'm sitting back there, and you ever been to those kind of meetings? People don't say anything, okay? They just all sit there, and they nod, and they agree, right? I'm not that guy. I mean, if your stuff don't work, don't invite me to your meeting. But here's what happened. This guy's up telling about all this stuff, but he starts talking about the money part of it, okay? And so I raised my hand in the back. And he said, yes. He said, would you stand up? And I said, okay. I stood up and I said, you don't need to tell me this stuff works. I know it does. And what I ended up doing, I just started telling him what personally had happened to me. I said, I want you to tell me how you can tell me how I can make some money like you're talking about. It started sounding good. I got sucked in for a while, but whatever. But you know what happened because I did that? There were so many people signing up under that guy. I didn't even know what I'd done for him, okay? But the reason that everybody all of a sudden was looking at me is because I'm showing them my driver's license when I took my picture, and I looked pretty round, you know, kind of like today. And then they're looking at me right there that day at 40 pounds less. See, I had a personal story to tell people, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Now, there is a difference in that and this, but we'll get to that. I'll do my glasses. I want you to turn to the, to the 26th chapter of the book of, um, the book of Acts. And what we're going to look at is we're going to look at how our testimony works. And this is what it looks like. In verse 26, Paul, he's been put in, put in jail. He's in prison. He's, he's, he's awaiting to go to Rome. He has appealed to Caesar. He is awaiting to go to Rome. And look what happens. King Agrippa has come down. Felix is the governor over that area. And Agrippa wants to hear. He wants to hear from Paul personally. And so in verse 1 it says, Agrippa said to Paul, he says, You have permission to speak for yourself. And then Paul stretched out his hand and he made his defense. Now what we're going to look at right here in your testimony you have a life that was prior to Christ, okay? And that's what's fixing to happen. Paul's going to make this defense, and listen to what he says. He says, I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa. He says, I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews. He said, especially because you're familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. He says, therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. He says, my manner of life from my youth. Now, he's going to tell about his background, okay? He's going to tell about his life. And he says, my manner of life from my youth, he said, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. He says, they have known for a long time if they're willing to testify. He's saying, if they'll be honest, they could tell you what I'm telling you is true. He says that according to the strictest party of our religion... I have lived as a Pharisee, and now I stand here on trial because of my hope and the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by the Jews, O King. And then he says this, he says, Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? When you go through the book of Acts, what you are going to discover if you are paying attention is that the primary thing that in the gospel that when Peter or Paul or whoever it was focused on was not so much as the way we do it today when we focus so much on the cross, which we should focus on the cross. We should focus on the death of Christ. But folks, everybody's going to die. 
But that one man who said, I am, when he rose from the dead, that created a huge problem for all those unbelievers. Now, they all knew he was crucified. They all knew he had shed his blood. But if this man really rose from the dead, then they have just put God on the cross. And they understood that. And he said, it's because of that hope. That's why I'm, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm being accused right here. But look what he says. In verse 9, he says, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He was one of those who was persecuting and the, the Christians. And he listened. He says, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. You know what he's referring to right there? Primarily, he's talking about Stephen. They said they, they laid their garments at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. That, what that was, that was a custom to where the guy that was basically in charge of the stoning, he was the one kind of watching all the, everybody's coats while they had room to get their arm free and really throw those stones at whoever they were going to stone to death. He was the guy in charge of Stephen's stoning. And then he says, and I punished them often in the synagogues, and I tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted, persecuted them even from foreign cities. Now, that's part one of Paul's testimony. He gives his background, his upbringing, and he tells, this is what I was like before I had a divine appointment with Jesus Christ. He's saying, I was the persecutor. I mean, there was nobody that persecuted these Christians like I did. There was nobody who wanted to eradicate the name of Christ more than I did. But look what happens next. In verse 12, we look at his conversion. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. And at midday, O king, now listen, he's sitting in the presence of King Agrippa and his wife and, and Festus and all of these. It wasn't just him three. There was a, a lot of people listening to this. And he says, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone round me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew tongue, in the Hebrew language, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Paul went from this kind of life over here to now he's going and he, he's got permission. He has authority to put in prison people just like you and I. And Jesus Christ had a divine appointment with him on that day and changed Saul's life forever. And now he went from a perse the persecutor of Christ to the servant of Christ. And he says this, he says, he tells him in verse 16, Jesus says, but rise and stand upon your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose. Now listen to this. We're going from his conversion to his call. Okay? He says, this is the purpose I have appeared to, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So we've seen Paul's life prior to conversion. We've seen Paul's conversion in his testimony. We've seen Paul's calling. He said, this is the purpose for which I have called you. And then in verse 19... He says, therefore, O king, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea 
and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. He said, For this, this reason the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me, and to this day I have had the help that comes from God, so I stand here testifying to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses would come, said would come to pass. And that's this, that the Christ must suffer. And that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. Okay, now listen. Listen to this next part. I want you to know something. When you go out and you share the gospel, and when you have those opportunities like what Paul's given right here, and you get to tell Somebody says, Chris Geezer, I want to know what happened to you. I knew you in school, man. You were just a punk. Nobody liked you, man. You were a smart mouth. What in the world happened? He's nodding his head. Maybe I'm right. I may, this may be prophetic. I don't know. But, but here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. When you are truly procro- pro- proclaiming Christ, mark my words that the adversary is going to try to intervene. And that's what happens next. Listen to this. As he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, he says, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. And Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I'm speaking true and rational words. I want to tell you something. It was about... Five, five years ago, I'm going to guess, I was doing a job for Tyler's dad building a fence. I was in Wilberton. This is so strange. I was in Wilberton, Oklahoma. It was a long drive for me. And, and the reason that Wilberton stood out was because I, when I was a kid, I had a childhood friend that lived in, their parents lived in, he, he lived in Macomb. And our parents would get together on the weekends a lot through the summer, man, and it was one of those deals. And I knew that somewhere later, after we kind of parted ways, that they had moved around Wilberton. That's all I knew. Hadn't seen this guy since we were probably 10, 11 years old. But I'm over in Wilberton, and I'm doing this job. And all I'm told is the superintendent on the job, his name is Dennis. Well, what's, how weird is that? My friend who moved over by Wilberton was named Dennis. Well, I had to go in one day and ask him about something. There was all kinds of changes. Anytime you do fencing and stuff for these kind of people, there's always changes. So I had to go in and ask him something. And he's on the phone. And I said, I'm looking for a dentist. And he said, that'd be me. And so we talked a little bit. And I said, just out of curiosity, I said, what is your last name? And he said, Austin. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. And he said, do I know you? And I told him my name. And he said, you've got to be kidding me. It's just incredible. Well, we visited a little bit. And about three or four days later on this job, I got, to, I got to share the gospel with him. I'm going to tell you something. Cell phones. Don't you hate them? I mean, I don't even know how we lived without them, but you like them, but I hate them. And I'm going to tell you why I hate them most of all, because anytime you're evangelizing, mark my word, somebody's texting or calling, okay? Well, this guy's a superintendent. His phone's going off all the time. I started talking to him about the, the new birth. I asked him, I said, have you been born again? And I loved this in a way. He looked at me real funny and he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, have you been born again? He says, listen, I've been born one time. How many times do you hear that from anybody? I've only been born one time. And about this moment, his phone is ringing. And I just sat there, and I looked at it, and I said, how about you don't answer it? And he looks at me real funny, and he's looking at his phone, and I said, give me five minutes. Just give me five minutes here. I said, I won't take no more than five, man. Just give me five minutes. And he goes, okay. He turned his phone off and put it in his pocket. And I got to share the gospel with him. Now, I don't know. I haven't seen him since. I haven't heard from him since that job. I don't know what happened. 
But I want you to know that when you're given your testimony, know this, that in your testimony, listen to me, you have a time before you knew Christ. You have a time that when God converted you, you have a time, you should have a time that you know where God has called you. And you should be having a time of obedience in your life. And when you're obedient, mark my words, the adversary, Satan, will raise up his ugly head and try to stop what you're doing. You need to know that. He goes on, and after Paul says, look, I've had people say, man, you're crazy. I say, you may be right, but I ain't crazy about this. I said, on this, I know what I'm talking about. And then Paul looks, and what he does, he looks, and, and look in verse 26, he says, for the, he says, I'm not out of my mind. And then 26, he says, the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly, for I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. And king Agri- he says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? He said, I know that you believe. You know how he knew that he believed? He was like, what was he, the grandson of Herod? Do you know what Herod did trying to get rid of this Christ? He's the one that had all the babies two years and under murdered in, in, in the area of, of Bethlehem, all that. You know what I'm saying? He knew he knew that he believed these things. And then King Agrippa said to Paul, he says, In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? That's debated heavily how this was meant. There's an old hymn called Almost Persuade. And the King James says, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I don't know if that's the way it was meant. It looks like he's kind of saying, Do you really think in such a short time you're going to convince me to be a Christian? That's kind of the way I think he's saying it, because he was not converted. Okay? Now here's what I want to talk today about. I read that to you. I read Paul's testimony. You can also go to chapter 22 and you can read it. You can read in, you know, what is it, chapter 9 or 10, whatever, where it actually tells of his, you know, tells the story. Here's what I want to talk to you about, though, your testimony. Let me tell you what your testimony is and what it is not. First of all, your testimony is not primarily about you. See, this is where I have a problem when you hear these people, they say, oh, come here, Cowboy Bob's, you know, a testimony of how the Lord... And then you hear stuff like this. I was the roughest cowboy there's ever been. I fought the most people. I was the worst fornicator. They go on and on and on that they were the worst of the drug dealers. Let me tell you something. When Apostle Paul said, I am the chief of sinners, he wasn't blowing it out there like, look at me, the chief of sinners. He wasn't saying it in a way That's like, look how great of a sinner I am. No, he's speaking out with shame. But I see people giving their testimony. It's all about, I was the toughest, the roughest, the cussingest, the philanderness, whatever. I mean, they go on and on and on about them. Your testimony is primarily not about you. You are not the focal point of your testimony. Okay? Your testimony is primarily to exalt Christ. That's what your testimony is. When Jesus talked about how the Holy Spirit's going to come and He's going to testify. When the Holy Spirit's in us, He's going to... The Holy, listen, when you go into churches and it's like... I remember being in Jamaica and we sang a song and it was kind of a crazy trip, but just bear with me. We sing this song, you know, like we have to do this stomp and clap. It's like, what kind of church is this? This is a Holy Ghost church, you know. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit does not speak of Himself. The Holy Spirit speaks of Christ. The Holy Spirit is not leading you to speak of yourself. The Holy Spirit is leading you to speak of Christ. Okay? And so, your testimony is your opportunity that, listen, go back to my Advocare story, okay? Do you know what? Whether I had a personal story or not, do you know that all those ingredients worked? I mean, I, I couldn't have ever done, I mean, even if I had never taken them, I could have said, Hey, guess what? 
This stuff really works. And you're going to look at me and go, well, how do you know? Well, I don't know. I ain't tried it. But it works. Okay? It still really works, right? Okay. You don't always get the opportunity to tell your testimony, to tell your story of what happened. But let me show you something. When you go out and you preach the gospel, you're telling people that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. And somebody can look at you and go, how do you know this is true? And I say, well, Benjamin, listen, man. This is what I was like. I've got witnesses. If they'll come and tell you what I was like. Let me tell you something, folks. When I came back, when I moved to Montana and I came back, the, the high school football coach over there, he knew me in high school. I was two years older than him. We played basketball together. They knew what I was like. I was kind of a heathen, okay? Not the worst. I'm not going to go that route. I wasn't the worst, but, you know, I was what I was. We're sitting there at a basketball game when I came back. We're just kind of catching up. He goes, what was you doing in Montana? I said, well, I was up there. I started the church, and I was preaching. And he went, what? That's what he did. You see, when you do that, you have that opportunity to say, this is how I know. I don't have to prove Christ to you. I know that Christ is real because I know what he's done in my life. Do you follow me on that? And you get the opportunity to tell what happened, okay? So, your, first of all, your testimony is not primarily about you. It is your opportunity to tell about Christ. Secondly, your testimony is a miracle. How many times have you, have you said this or have you heard people say this? Well, if I had an Apostle Paul experience, my testimony, it ain't, it's nothing. We actually heard some of that when we were doing our testimonies. My, well, my testimony is not nothing like that. Let me, let me explain something to you. If you're born again, your testimony is nothing short of a miracle. And I'm not using miracle the way we use miracles Today, I'm talking about a genuine, miraculous event. Now, why do I say that? Well, let me ask you something. Which one of you was intelligent enough that when you heard the gospel, you had enough sense about you to go, you know, I've waited out and I think I'm going to believe that. Anybody going to raise their hand? There's some pretty smart people in here. I know there's two or three people with master's degrees. I'm not in that boat. Well, let me ask you this. Which one of you was good enough to make that decision on your own? Which one of you had... Listen, there's people that are intelligent. We know sometimes they're not much on common sense, right? So the common sense guys, that's the boat I'm probably in, I think. This makes more sense. No, let me show you something. You, don't, you want to know how I know for a fact that your conversion, your testimony is a miracle. In Romans 3, look what he says. And I'm going to be brief. You don't got to turn these places. Look what he says. He says this. He says in verse 9, I'll just start off. He says, well, let me say this. Verses, chapters 1 and 2 is all about how sinful we are, that nobody, Jew, Gentile, everybody is wicked and they're sinful. Okay? They're all guilty. He says in verse 9, of chapter 3. What then? Are we Jews any better off? Not at all. We've already charged that all, both Jew and Greeks, are under sin. As it's written, listen to this, there is none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. I, I was in kind of a debate a while back. A good friend of mine on Facebook obviously don't believe things quite like me. He's a good dude, though. He said, well, this is a hyperbole. A hyperbole. hyperbole he said that's what it is he says it doesn't really mean none is good I beg to differ I'm going to tell you that he means that none is good how do I know that because he says well yeah he goes on and he says no one understands no one seeks God 
All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good. Listen, not even one. So we start right there. First of all, you, if you're an unbeliever, sorry, but you're just not good. Okay? You're not even capable of doing good. Now, don't, if you're an unbeliever today, don't bail out on me yet. Listen to this. Look over here. In, uh, what's this look at? John chapter 12 real quick. John chapter 12, just to show you what a miracle this is. John chapter 12, Jesus is speaking. And uh, he's talking about how he's going to have to be lifted up to draw all of his people to himself. And I'll just pick up in verse 35. And Jesus said to him, he said, the light is among you. For a little while longer, he says, walk while you have the light. And if I didn't say this is chapter 12, 1235. He said, huh? No. He said, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. He says, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become the sons of light. Now listen to this. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, which was this. He says, Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal him, them. Who blinded their eyes? God blinded their eyes. God is the one who did this. You may not like that, but that is what Isaiah told about. And Jesus said it's fulfilled right here. Just to show you the miracle of this, in, in Matthew chapter 16, look what he says. He asks the question, you know, who do men say that I am? Look what he says. I'm going to pick up in, uh, in 13. This is Matthew 16, 13. Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, now listen to this. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, now listen to this. He says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You think you're... Do you think your salvation is anything less than a miracle? Yeah, we weren't walking on the road to Damascus. We weren't even walking on the road to, to Stratford and got struck down by a bright light and we heard the voice of the Lord audibly. We didn't have that. But I will tell you this, that if you are a believer, God has done a miracle in your life. Matter of fact, He gave you life. And just to give you one last reference on this, if you will, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. One of, the, one of the references I forgot there was in 1 Corinthians 2, if you just want to take notes, where he talks about the natural man. He doesn't even receive or understand the things of God. He can't. The natural man is somebody that's, that's an unbeliever. He can't even understand. He says it's foolishness, it's folly to him. How many times do you go and try to explain the gospel and people are just like, you are, you're a fool. You're, you're crazy. That don't even make any sense. Do you know that the gospel really doesn't make sense? Think about that. He says through the foolishness of preaching, God's going to save people. And yet, what does the church do today? We're trying to come up with all kinds of other ways to get people saved because it, it's not relevant, man. It's not cool. We better spike our hair up so we can make it cool. At least we can look cool doing it, you know. Silly stuff like that. But listen to this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says this. He says, I'll just start in verse 1. He says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, 
We do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. Amen. He says, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. I have nothing to hide. I'm going to present the gospel. I'm not going to try to trick you, trip you up, hook, you know, what's the old thing called, uh, bait and switch, bring you in with free gasoline for a year to try to, you know, kind of goofy stuff is that. And he says, even if, in verse 3, he says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I want you just to stop for a moment when you think about this. Your natural self cannot even receive the things of God. Can't do it. In yourself, there's none good. There's no ability to choose good. We drink down sin like it's water, okay, in our unbelieving state. Now, listen to me. He says that God has blinded their eyes, talking about the Jews there that Isaiah spoke of. He talked about how that Peter, that he says flesh and blood did not reveal this. Listen, you can't get enough education. You can't do enough learning. You can't do enough. I mean, I see these things a lot of times, like these books, like A Case for Christ, and they try to do this journalism investigative reporting. That's all fine and well. It gives a lot of stuff. But I'm going to promise you this. That is not how Lee Strobel got saved. Okay? He got saved when God, by the Holy Spirit, worked a miracle in his heart. It's not because he was a good journalist. Okay? Now, look what he says. He says, in verse 5, he says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And then listen to this, For God who said... Let light shine out of darkness. Talking about the creation account. That miraculous working power of God in the creation account. He says, let light shine out of darkness. Has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Folks, do you get that today? That miracle That same God who spoke this world into existence said, let there be light, and there was light. He has spoke into our hearts Jesus Christ and shown the light of the glory of the gospel. And we've, in in, in the face of Christ, we have become a new creature. Your testimony is nothing short of a miracle. Nothing short of that. Your testimony is to proclaim the gospel. We, we have churches and such all over the place, and they, they get sidetracked. They get sidetracked with things like spiritual gifts or healing and stuff like that. And they have, they, people think they have a healing ministry or a stuff like that. There, there really is only one ministry, and that is to proclaim the gospel, Okay. That's really the only ministry we've ever been given. Now, here's the thing. We get sidetracked on things like that. And and what happens is people will get in the book of Acts and they'll see where these people were healed and they'll go, man, we don't see that today. So, and then all of a sudden they get on this thing. I don't know how it all happens, but then next thing you know, man, you got these things and people are lining up, getting healed and so forth and all, you know, supposedly. Okay, anytime you read in the book of Acts, when you see some miraculous work that is done, whether it's a healing, whether it was like on Pentecost where everybody's speaking, now everybody will say, you know, it was just some kind of thing nobody understands. No, if you go read it, just take it slowly, you'll find out that everybody heard these men speaking in their own native tongue where they were from, okay? So I don't know if they were jabbering or just speaking in Aramaic, but everybody heard it in their own language, okay? Those things are always used as a springboard to preach the gospel. Go, go read. When, when, G, when Peter and John are headed into the temple to pray, 
And the man's there, and he's been crippled, and he's like, oh, you know, can you give me something? They said, well, we can't give you that. But while we can, we give you. He says, rise up and walk. And they go, whoa, by what power, by what authority? They never they never said, look at us. They said, you want to know who did this? It was Jesus who did this. It was his name, the one that you crucified, the one that God raised from the dead. They preached the gospel. Your testimony in the same way. When somebody is looking at you and going, wow, you're so awesome, man. You are the worst guy in the world. No, 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 it's not about me. It's not about me that. It's about how awesome he is and what he's done in me. What he's doing in me. That is what your testimony is for. It is always about glorifying Christ. And so when we, when we look at these things... And we start understanding. How many of you feel like your testimony is not even worth sharing? Nobody's going to raise their hand now, are you? Now have you been told it's a miracle, right? Let me tell you something. Your, Nate this morning said, you know, he likes to wants to ask Rahab the harlot, what happened? Man, what a conversation starter. You meet somebody that says they're a Christian and you start talking. I love to say, I want to know how you got saved. I want to hear it. You know what it does? Man, it builds me up. I mean, when I hear what happened to people, and I hear what God has done in their life, what God is doing in their life, man, it, I mean, it's, listen, folks, it's like taking coal and putting it with other coal, and that fire, that flame is getting hotter and hotter. When you take a piece of coal and you put it out on the hearth, it just sits there by itself and it gets cold. But we start spurring one another on. So here's what I'm going to suggest to you. Maybe you've done this, maybe you've not done it. I know everybody in our group in Stratford has. You know what was cool? It would be, it just caught his face there. And he, before he moved here, he came up, and it might have been the first night we was doing this. He didn't know he was supposed to take turns, you know. He didn't even know he didn't have a turn. I don't remember who it was. It might have been me. I don't remember who. Somebody gave their testimony that night. He got so excited. He said, man, I want to share my testimony. And he shared his testimony with all of our church there. And you know what that does? That creates a bond. what it does and yes he was a heathen too we found out just like the rest of us you need to write your testimony out take your time write it out tell about this was what I was raised like this is what my life was before Christ saved me I was an atheist I was this I was a kid raised up in church thought I was the best kid on the planet most of you probably heard of Paul Washer right well, have you ever heard of Paul Washer's wife, Chato? Well, you get online, go to I'll Be Honest and, and click on, Chato, it looks like Charo, but Chato's testimony. And what you're going to find out is she was raised up, missionary's daughter. Man, she'd been in church her whole life. She, she comes across, she's the guy that Paul Washer says, this is the one I want. They get married, she's Paul Washer's wife. She's got to be saved, right? Things were eating her up. She hated, she didn't like these other women, man. She, you know, she's thinking bad thoughts. She went to Paul, her husband, and she told him what he was feeling. You know what he tells, you know what he tells her? Honey, don't you worry about it. you're saved. You said that prayer, right? No, he didn't say that. He goes, well, from what you're telling me, I'm not so sure you're saved. And guess what happened? God had a divine appointment with her and saved her. And you can go on I'll Be Honest website and you can listen to that testimony. You may be sitting here today, one of those people. You may be sitting here today thinking, I've been a Christian my whole life. But if I ask you to write out your testimony, you're not sure what you're going to write. You may be that person. You need to learn this about your testimony. You need to write it out. Listen, folks, it's not you, you don't have to read your testimony, okay? It's good if you can. You may be a great reader. It's your testimony. 
You should know your testimony. You should know what happened. I mean, it may be a little different every time. Like, you know, you might get more details of this or that. But your testimony is your testimony. It's you. It's your life. You ain't got to go read somebody else's. It's yours. But here's what I want you to learn. When the occasion provides itself in a way that you can sit down and say, somebody says, man, tell me, Aaron, tell me what happened in your life. And you know you've got that time and you go, gosh, how much time you got? They said, I've got time. And you go, well, this is what happened. But there's other times. There's these other times where you don't have that time. You're on the college campus. Guys, people are going to class. And they're like, man, you know, I don't even believe this stuff. Why do you believe this stuff? And I said, I'm going to tell you something real quick. Here's what my life was. I was out there. I liked Jesus. I mean, I had this Jesus in my mind. But you know what? I came to the realization one day that a preacher was preaching. He says, if you died today, where would you spend eternity? I knew I was going to hell. I went up there and said, I, I want to I be the Lord. I want to get baptized, you know. And God changed me. I said, I was this guy that wanted to do all these things. Next thing I know, I'm wanting to be a preacher. I want to take the gospel to a lost and dying world. Everybody that knew me says, this ain't the guy I knew. God's never taken that from me. He's only increased it. And I can say, if I had more time, I could tell you so much more about what God's done in my life. But I can tell you this, I know he's alive. I know he's real because I talked to him this morning. So you need to have that moment where you may only have a minute or two to tell people about what God has done for you. And I'll encourage you in this. Brady Brewer that was here last Sunday, you know what he did about uh, four or five years ago, something like that? He wrote out his testimony, typed it out, made a bunch of copies. When all the family got together for Christmas, he gave everybody a copy of his testimony. Anybody ever had a struggle witnessing the family? <laughs> Hands will go up on that one, huh? Well, you know what? You can take it and you can print that thing out, wrap it up real neat, put it on some nice-looking paper, get some really cool print. If you're talented, I'm not, but I got people around me that could. Make that thing look really official and say, I'd just like you to have this. They may Listen, they may scoff at first, but I'm going to tell you something, people, people, there's something in them, they kind of still want to know what did happen. What did happen to that, you know, my cousin or my brother or my sister, whatever it is. Oh, and this guy, Brady's family, he's got, his brother's a Mormon. He's got people that don't even believe in the Lord. He said, man, I, just gave, I gave everybody a testimony. And I'm going to lastly give you this. You need to live your life in a way that reflects your testimony about what God's done in your life. Listen, you want to know why the world will say, oh, there isn't churches of hypocrites? It's because we profess one thing, but we live another. I don't know how many times this has happened. Where's Justin at? How many times have we been on the streets? <laughs> We're talking to a couple of heathens, and then one of them realizes what we are, and then he wants to jump over on our side and help us. <laughs> it's like, dude, get back over there. <laughs> You're not. I mean, this guy's over cousin up, doing all this kind of stuff, and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I did that deal one time. He starts preaching to his friend, you know, and it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, times like that. But you need to live your life in a way that reflects the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the miracle that's been worked in your life. I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to beat you down this morning like, man, I'm not doing it. Listen, if, if you're not living like that, just always remember this. Our God is always, he is always working to reconcile his people to him, okay? You may be straying somewhat. You may, you know, be like, man, I just, I, man, I just... I, I, I think what I'm hearing is true, but it ain't. Listen, this is your time to say, Lord, I want my life to reflect what God has done in my heart, how he's changed me. 
If you haven't wrote your testimony, go home and write it out. I'm going to tell you something. You'll be amazed when you start thinking and remembering what God has done in your life. Start writing out other things that when that process was going on, I could tell you something about my wife's testimony. She, she was reading a storybook, a Christian storybook, to our children. And the, and the gist of the book was, do you know the voice of the Father? And you know what God spoke to her? Do you know my voice? My wife, who had highlighted all the odd verses that we believed in the church we belonged to, you know, don't cut your hair, don't go to doctors, all these weird stuff, agree with the holy kiss. Yeah, a bunch of, that's all highlighted. But you know what she did? She picked up her Bible, and she took them little memo notepads, and she started in Genesis 1-1, and every chapter she read, anything that stood out to her, she jotted something down. And she read through the entire Bible. She realized, I didn't know the voice of God. It's part of her testimony. I can tell you a little bit about Justin's testimony. Justin was at the meeting I was about to get lynched in on the church we was in. He's just kind of, oh, I'm glad to be here. Had no clue what's going on. And he goes, can I ask a question? They said, sure. And he goes, we all believe we're saved by grace, right? You'd have thought they, the mob turned on me and was fixing to stone him to death. You want to hear the irony of that? He didn't even believe he was saved by grace. He wasn't even saved. He didn't even know he didn't believe that. You know how I know that's true about him? Because I know his testimony. Tyler shared with me again last night. He got saved praying for two heathens that he went to school with at Stratford. He was praying that God would reveal their sin to him. And guess what happened? God revealed Tyler's sin to him. He was just a more cleaned up version of those guys. How do I know that? Because I know his testimony. And those three things I just told you, those three brief things that I just told you about these people's testimonies has affected you today. Write your testimony out. Learn how to give it in a long version. Learn how to give it in a short version and live your testimony out. We're going to sing a song, men. We got a song. Would you guys come up here? I'm going to encourage you in this today. Is they coming up here singing? If you feel like you just need to have time to pray, just, just bow your head and pray. Just bow your head in prayer. So, God, I, w I want this to be a reality in my life.